Blog Talk Radio. John Fogarty opening up the A Smiling World show with Bill and Jan Moore and a fantastic guest from the land down under in Australia today. We're really excited, and Jan will uh, put that on in just a minute at the introduction, and we will be rocking and rolling. But first, let me be sure we give credit where credit's due for John Fogarty, we're opening that with Mystic Highway. It has some really powerful lyrics. John had the idea 30 years ago and has now released that on his new album, Wrote a Song for Everyone. And Wrote a Song for Everyone is a great album with 14 of the biggest named guest artists you could ever imagine and uh, two new songs that John wrote. So we're very, very pleased to have John open that for us with Mystic Highway. And thank you to John Fogarty for that little bit. And now onwards and upwards. We've got a great show for you today, folks. I'm really, really excited. Uh, As I said, this is Bill and Jan Moore. We are currently on the A Smiling World Road Show. That is who we are, A Smiling World, and that's at asmilingworld.org on the web, and we are in Portland, Oregon. The last time you heard a show with us, I think we were up in Seattle, if I recall correctly. I mean, the cities are starting to all look alike, but uh, we're in Portland, and then we're going back to Seattle for an encore show. Uh, Our event was a perfect 10 out of 10 up there. We're really happy about that. Had some wonderful people there, and we were asked to come back. So we're going to be back up in Seattle and then on down to Denver. And so... Needless to say, we are traveling all over all 48 states and then onward to England. And so with all of that going on, I highly encourage you to sign on to org and sign up for our newsletter so that you can get the latest information on what's going on. So without further ado, let me get Jan to unmute her microphone and tell us a little bit about our guest today, and we'll get started. 
Okay, thank you, Bill. And just before I do that, um, I just want to let you know that Kathy is actually having problems calling in on the number, so we're trying to um, overcome some technical difficulties here. I'm just checking that she's got... Thank you, Jan. Uh, I'll let you mute that off, and we're both watching the switchboard right here, and as Jan said, she's messaging back and forth to Kathy to overcome the international and uh, NSA and all the other people that are interfering with the internet and phone systems so that we can get her onto the show because we've got a really exciting chat with her. I know that it's going to be really good. And as Jan said, in the interim, I'll bring you a little bit up to speed on what is going on uh, with us, where we're going and what have you. Every city we're hitting, uh, we're very blessed and, and very grateful for the fact that we're scoring perfect 10 out of 10 seminars and people are saying they're totally different. We've got 16 and as far up as 30-year veterans of the study of manifestation and creation all uh, saying that they've never seen all of the material brought together in one place like this and new material that they had never seen before. So we're very proud of that. We've worked very hard to get to that point. I'll have to honestly say it's been a lot of long hours to do that. But we also are very proud of the fact that we're doing this on a give-what-you-can basis with this uh, workshop because we don't want to exclude anybody that is in need, and we've kept it very affordable. Comparatively speaking, if you went out and looked at it, it would easily be a $997 two-day event. Uh, but we're doing it for $97 for a seat reservation, and we have an opportunity at the end for a love offering if somebody wants to throw a little bit extra in the basket for a smiling world. And we've everybody has been doing that as well. Uh, that, so obviously, uh, as one person said, they only came because it was affordable at $97, and it was really a stretch for them at that time. And um, so that... Um, Hang on, Jan. Um, excuse me just one second. Jan, look at your switchboard. She's on. Can you put the mic on? Um, so and we're, I'm just getting some microphone techno, uh, technological stuff down there to get Kathy's mic on so Jan can introduce her. But I was just going to say um, that the last-minute thing was that we are bringing this into an online course now, and it will also be interactive. And one of the big things that makes it different is we get a pre-course interview questionnaire and a lot of after-course material, So, and there isn't any back-of-the-room sales. But what we provide is a complete thing, so you don't have to buy a book or whatever to get the rest of the information. And that's what makes it so unique in that sense. But we're bringing that all out and we're bringing it on to online. And as I said, we're in Portland going back for a Seattle event and then on down to Denver, Durango, Austin, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. So busy, busy, busy. And we hope to see some of the people there. And those folks over in London that we'll be seeing later on can be watching for the online course. We're only days away from releasing that. So without further ado, I'm going to have Jan turn her microphone back on and I think we've got a connection down to the land down under. And so, Jan, take it away and get Kathy on the show. 
Thank you, Bill. And I do hope I was actually on air before because I had a horrible feeling that when I looked at my phone, I might have still been on mute. So there is a gap at the beginning of the show for Hitch. But anyway, here we are. We've got Kathy online now, so I'm going to introduce her. And um, as Bill said, Kathy is um, a friend that I uh, connected up with on Facebook. And Kathy lives in Australia, so I'm really grateful for her to take a very early start uh, in order to be on the show with us. Um, the time in Australia is 6 a.m., so <laughs> big thanks to Kathy for actually getting up so early just so she could join us. And Kathy has been a great support to us, actually. She played a huge part in actually confirming our path to take the A Smiling World teaching on the road with the Ace Filing World Roadshow because at the point of transition, she actually channeled a message which confirmed our intention to actually take this around the country and spread the word about how to live an empowered life. So really grateful to Kathy. And um, Kathy has um, got some amazing skills. Um, she's had a great career in education, but at the point that she had um, an inspiration to to undertake Reiki attunements and become a Reiki master, it opened a, an amazing window to the world and to the power of light. And she, she achieved the gift of channeling spiritual poetry. And she'll be sharing some of that with us today. But also... To, to bring healing through the written word. And the poem she's going to share today is Who Are You? from which Kathy has designed inspirational and spiritual workshops. And she continued to grow spiritually through the study of energetic and spiritual healing and also through personal challenges, which, you know, plays a huge part in everyone's growth. Um, so needing help with these challenges and not getting that from people around her, she resolved to seek answers directly from the universe. And now she's able to offer this wonderful gift through her healing work. Her healing work has involved, um, ex has evolved exponentially through her alignment with a team of spiritual masters who channel spiritual healing energy through her. They include members of the Brotherhood of Light, Ascended Masters, Guides, Angels, and Archangels. Being in their divine presence, communicating with them, and being shown the healing procedure as it's happening is an incredibly humbling experience. The realization that the choice exists for us to be fully in our power or to stay in a state of being victims is very empowering. So I'd like to welcome Kathy here. I'm sure she's got lots of wonderful information to share with us, especially um, about the, the huge changes and shifts in consciousness that are going on today and the energies that are affecting all of us. So, so Kathy, welcome from down under, as we say. <laughs> it's funny being in England. Uh, Australia is the opposite side of the world world being in the usa china apparently is the opposite side of the world so it's a little bit different but um kathy welcome today and it's such a joy to have you with us good morning jan and bill thank you very much for the opportunity to be on your show today it hasn't well, dawned it? here in australia yet <laughs> and of course you're in winter as well which is uh, another thing to take into consideration isn't it <laughs> 
So yeah, we're here in the, in the lovely, yeah, we're in this lovely summer heat, and you're in the, the cold and chilly winter. And it has been. This has been a very cold one for us. Right. And whereabouts in Australia are you, Cathy? I'm, I'm in Sydney, Jan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Lovely. So you've got the beautiful Sydney Opera House and uh, and right. Sydney Harbour yes. Bridge and, and all the wonderful yes. sites there. I must say, Australia yes. is a place I would love to visit. And uh, well, who knows? One you'll, have, day. <laughs> you'll have to let you'll have to let me know when you're coming, Jan, because I feel like I know you so well. <laughs> all that remains is for us to meet. Absolutely, and it, it, isn't it wonderful the way that social media connects us on opposite sides of the world? It is. It is. Yeah, yes, Kathy. I will have to. Say, I will have to say Australia is definitely on the list. So we do plan on being down there. And for all of our listeners out there, I just want you to really enjoy today's show. How many times do you get to listen to a radio show here in Australian accent? a British accent, and a how-do-you-all Texas accent. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so a, a, a real multinational uh, event today, which is wonderful. So, Kathy, um, I gave the introduction that you sent to us, but could you just expand a little bit more about how you got into, from kind of conventional teaching into this work of of energetic and spiritual healing okay that's that's quite a long story but I'll try and um, uh, be as brief as I can but before I go there I just have a message these days I don't come alone I'm here with my guides I'm here with my um, spiritual healing team this morning and they have given me a message, and that is that anyone who listens to today's broadcast will receive some healing. So I'll just put that out there so people will know. There are wow, no that's wonderful. Boundaries. Kathy, there are no boundaries Brilliant. to the healing energy. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are undergoing many challenges on many levels and we're not talking just physical healing here are we we're talking at the energetic emotional and spiritual level that's right that that is the type of healing and it's evolving all the time and um right now it's evolved to a point where i feel that there are that it's it's limitless there are no boundaries um but i can i can talk a little bit more about that later on um, if you like, but now I'll yes, answer please. your previous. I'll, I'll answer your previous question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, yes, I did have a conventional sort of um, um, uh, start in the world. Um, um, I went into education. I think I was always meant to be a teacher from a small child. Um, I used to get my my sisters into a room, shut the door and stand behind it so they couldn't leave and I would um, have a new lesson for them each day. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> and that, that was as a teenager. Um, but I didn't want to be a teacher because I was a little bit rebellious about the status quo and I thought, well, you know, 
people are, uh, women are teachers and women are nurses. That's what our school was pushing and I thought, oh, I don't want to go down that track. I want to do something different. So I went into accountancy, but very, very soon I realised that that, that area was not for me and uh, I'll take back to that, teaching later yeah, on. That's very interesting, Kathy, because it, it really echoes the experience that I had when I was growing up and uh, my mother was so intent on me going, becoming an English teacher because it was something that she'd always wanted to do. And I even got to the point of going to teach training college after I did an English degree and just couldn't get through with it because it just didn't feel yeah. right. And yet now I've ended up teaching but not in kind of conventional schooling. So <laughs> that no, that's right. That's right. And the universe just takes you that way. You're not aware of it at the time. Only later when you look back, um, the, the the way the steps are in place to take you where you need to be. And um, so I, I did conventional teaching. I did uh, I taught in primary schools um, up to year six here, which is about the age of 12. And um, it was not a happy... Well, the first part of it was a tremendously happy and fulfilling experience. I was teaching... Um, I got into... Um, setting up an intensive language unit at one of the schools for the, the children that were coming in from overseas. Um, and I was teaching English as a second language. Um, and then I got a permanent uh, a permanent uh, teaching position in our um, state schools. And I, that was not a very happy experience for me because I was given one of the worst classes in a, in a disadvantaged area. And... Um, and the kids were just, they were not there wanting to learn. They came from homes which were not supportive and um, I was not teaching. I was just a disciplinarian, That's how, just to keep them in, in, in order. And, uh, and the principal's way to relieve that was to sit in the back of the, of my, at the back of my classroom and, uh, and cane the children. And that was not changing behaviours. And I had the, the counsellor in the class... And um, I was going home crying every day, and I thought, this is not teaching. This is not what I'm here to do. And uh, so I, I said to the principal, I'm going to leave this job because it's not where I'm meant to be. And this is crucial. This is one of my very early learnings in honouring, honouring yourself. The principal said, no, give me another term and we'll fix them. And so he, he came them. And at the end of that term, I said, I'm not staying, I'm leaving. They all thought I was mad to leave education, turn my back and, and leave. But I knew I was doing the right thing because I said to myself, if I can't do this job, um, if I can't teach, which is what my passion is, I'm going to leave. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do. So it doesn't matter if I have to clean the streets. I will clean the streets well because I want to teach, but I'm not teaching well in this circumstance. I found out later that the class they gave me was actually uh, actually another teacher's class, but she was having a nervous breakdown. They took her off without telling me and put me a newbie on this class. I had, you know, big thugs wanting to run out the door um, all day long. So about to on the fire the then? Pardon? A baptism of fire. A baptism of fire. So yeah. I did. I left at the end. Of, at the end of the at the end of that term, I left. 
a friend of mine, God bless her, she said to me, why don't you teach adult education? The thought had never occurred to me. And um, I made some inquiries. I got an interview. Uh, no, put in an application. I got an interview and I was working the first day of the next term in wow. adult That's education. Right. They asked me in the first week, how are you, you know, how is the transition to adult education? And I said to them, and I've never forgotten this, I cannot believe I'm paid for what I love doing. <laughs> and it Absolutely. was like that the entire the entire time I was in adult education. So um, I was teaching English, um, and then I went on to to do further studies in uh, teaching to speakers of other languages. Um, it was a wonderful career, a wonderful career. I went into um, uh, management as well. Um, we had autonomy. Um, was totally different to the primary school system. Um, so you know. Um, but anyway, that had a use-by date as well. Um, and I left that when I was pregnant with my second daughter. Um, um, and there was another baptism of fire at the very end there where I was challenged by a teacher. Um, very, very nasty. Here I was, about eight months pregnant, and I was, oh no, maybe seven months pregnant, and I was in the staff room one night. All the teachers were on their classes. I was the assistant principal, and I was doing, you know, all my paperwork, and a teacher comes out, not during the break, but left the class to come out and verbally abuse me. There was no one else in this staff room but me. And he was frothing at the mouth, and his jugular vein was beating, and he was as red as a beetroot. And I just froze. I didn't know what was going on. Um... He was angry with me because um, he was used to having favouritism in that um, in that centre, and uh, until I came along and took over the program, and I thought I would introduce some EEO principles and give all other teachers a chance to to teach what they wanted to teach. And I had one particular teacher who wanted his class, which was a cushy um, academic English or English for academic purposes. And uh, and I put a roster in place and said, you know, teachers who have the experience and qualifications to teach the academic English program are going to take it in turns from now on. He didn't like it um, because he had been showing great favouritism for years. Um, so he came and, and verbally just ha ripped shreds out of me and thought that, you know, he could get away with it because I was, um, I was a gentle person. I was... Um, I was consultative, you know, all those things that I like to, to be in the receiving end of. I, I treated people like that. But in this case, I had to rise to the occasion and I took him through the highest disciplinary level. And um, that's how I left that organisation. Mm, how I put did that make you teacher, feel at the time? Putting this teacher back in his place. Um, yeah. Uh, look, it, I was you know, very shaken. Uh, very you know, shaken, the, especially because, oh, sorry, especially I was because I was say, pregnant. Being, yeah, being pregnant, you know, it's a very emotionally vulnerable time, really, isn't it? You know, everything is kind of pairing for that wonderful birth. And, and that, yes, you know, knowing from, yeah, from my own experience, you, you tend to be much yes. more vulnerable emotionally at that time. 
Oh, yes, yes. And knowing what I know now about energy, I know that much of that negative energy would have transferred to my child um, mm. because they're receptive to your feelings, your emotions, and uh, they feel it all. And But I, I, I did see it through, and uh, he saw another side of me, the side that he didn't know, the side that is the warrior that will rise to the occasion. And it's that warrior that has seen me um, come through to where I am because I have had certain battles and things. But that's that's another story for another, <laughs> another broadcast. Um, but today... Um, so, so when I when I left um, AMES, which was the Adult Migrant English Service, a wonderful, wonderful institution, um, um, I went into um, I was alerted to Reiki, and um, I had some signs about going to do some retraining in the area of energy healing. So it's all about listening to the signs and following the guidance, and I did. And, so uh, how did you pick up those signs, Cathy? Because I know there are a lot of people, um, you know, out there and probably listening, if not now yes. to the live show, certainly to the archive show, that are perhaps lacking confidence in in mm. hearing and seeing signs. Yes. So yes. how did that's that come to you? Yeah, that's an excellent question because we are given signs every day. It is just that we are not awakened or alert to see them and then you know not open to enacting them um so the signs that i got were one night i was driving home and um there was a i put the radio on and there was a program um a woman who was running the reiki classes was talking about her experience and I was riveted. I just couldn't move out of the seat, even though I'd reached home. I sat in the garage for half an hour to listen to the rest of this interview. The next day I thought, that sounds so right. See, it's about how it resonates in your body and listening to your body. And my body felt, this is speaking to me. So the next day I made the phone call and I got into the next Reiki um, um, attunement class. Actually, this happened before I, I left because I was still at work when I did Reiki. So I went and did the Reiki 1, then I did the Reiki 2. And during that time, a, a, an awakening happened within me that I can't explain. There was one day through an exercise that there was just white light and um, I felt like I needed sunglasses. Even though my eyes were shut, I felt like I can't. It's too bright for me. I can't bear it. I didn't know what was happening. I had no idea this was all new to me. And then for the rest of that day, um, I felt myself drawn to one of the people in the group who was, his name was Keith, and Keith was a beautiful soul. He had a disability. And, um, and people related to Keith as a disabled person. They loved him, but the way they interacted with him was like he was a disabled person. After this experience with the light, I was drawn to Keith and he was drawn to me to, when pairing up exercises took place. And actually it wasn't one day, it was over several days. And I know that that was our two souls recognising each other and relating to each other purely as souls without the body. We were relating on a formless level. 
and that was one of the experiences. So listening to the radio station led me to that. Um, so it's about listening to your body. Your body has all the intelligence, all the knowledge is held within it. So you have to be alert to what it's telling you. If something doesn't feel right in your gut, that's why they call it a gut feeling, um, know that it's not right. You know, find out what is it about here. Remove yourself from the situation because energy affects us. Where Absolutely. I am right now, Yeah, I was going to say, this is something that um, was a really interesting experience for me because I had a major shift um, personally just before... Dill and I got together as a as a partnership, a life partnership, and um, I'd come from a world absolutely analytical, logical. You know, I was in IT for over twenty years, probably twenty five years, and then was into um, web web based um, development and so on. So very analytical and um, and logical, and I had this experience. In, interestingly enough, in my horse's stable, <laughs> where I literally had this visitation, and it it was like a shift from putting logic first into feeling absolutely convinced that I must follow my intuition and and allow the logic to take it play a part, but not lead the way to follow where intuition led. And, uh, you know, we, we're teaching this in our class. It says intuition first. Yeah, logic is fantastic. But so often, logic talks you out of things that yes, come to yes. you intuitively. <laughs> yes, yes. And, well, um, they say the heart has the answers. So follow the heart, it's not the mind. So it's the reverse to what we've been taught. We've been taught that all the answers are, are through analysing them mentally. But that's not the case. The real answers, the true answers, come from the heart. So connecting to the heart and the rest of the body in your gut. In, in, in your whole body will tense up if it's not right or relax and glow you get that warmth inside when you meet someone that you easily connect with perhaps you've known them from some other lifetime there is a connection and you can feel that in every fiber of your being it's like you have an internal glow or internal smile there is a connection if you meet someone um that you know in whose uh, uh, company you feel at odds tense there is something there that is hooking you into a neg to an energy which is not supporting you so you've got to remove yourself or be aware of that um, so a question you know, for you Cathy um, on that note yes. because you know one of the things that I've learned is that well both of us have learned actually Bill and I is that we do have relationships with soulmates who are not necessarily people we resonate with, but who are playing a role in um, our conscious evolution, our soul evolution. And I would definitely put my ex-husband into that category because you know I'm very grateful for the 24 years I was married to him. But he was teaching me all about negative manifestation and 
um, ego and victimhood and all of these things that um, I'm now teaching other people how to, how to avoid and how to get out of. But without that experience of being with him for that length of time, I wouldn't yeah. be where I am today. And also, until I left him and, and Bill and I got together, I hadn't realized quite how tense being in his presence made me. So, oh, you know, we do have... We do have relationships that aren't necessarily resonant, but do play a very important part in our growth. Uh, yes, yes, and all significant relationships are here to teach us and to grow us. So, you know, if you are in in a place um, in this life where you know you, you, you're having martinis by the pool and think that life is sweet, um, that's wonderful. But there's not much growth in that. Growth comes from the challenges by pushing you to rise above them. Um, just on that note, it might be a little bit uh, appropriate for me to just mention this, this little book that I've pulled out to, to share. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Little Soul and the Sun. Have you heard of no, that I book, No, I haven't, Dan? actually. No, no. It's by, it's by Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote um, Conversations with God series. And he yes. wrote this as a children's parable. And uh, it's not only for children, let me tell you that, but I bought it when my children were little um, to just, you know, share with them. It's a very inspirational book. Um, so the, little, the book is about the little soul, and he, he speaks to God, and he says, you know, I, I know who I am. He's really happy. I know who I am. I am the light. And God says, oh, that's good. Um, and he says, um, um uh, but I want to know how it feels to be the light. And God says, but you are light. Yes, yes, but, I'll, but how do, I know I am light, but how does it feel to be light? I want to know that. And God says, in order to feel something or to know something, you have to experience its opposite. So in order to know dark, you have to know light. Uh, in order to know light, you have to know dark. In order to know high, low, and all the opposites he went through. And he said to him, and what would you like to experience as, um, as light? And the little, the little soul said, I'd like to experience forgiveness. I want to know what it feels like. And God said, hmm, in order to experience forgiveness, I have to put you in a dark place because otherwise the light cannot see the light. You can only see it when in, you're in the dark. And the boy says, I hope it's not too scary. And God says, well, only if you choose it to be, but it will surely teach you about forgiveness. So at that moment, um, he's shown uh, a group of little, little souls all around him, and they're all bright lights. And one little soul comes forward, and she's the friendly soul, and she says, I will help you to experience forgiveness. I will do that for you. In the next life, I will come and be the one that will do something um, that will hurt you in order for you to be able to forgive me. And he says, would you really do that for me? And, says, and, um, and she says, yes, because you have done so much for me. We have been together many times in different roles, you know, in male and female roles and different relationships. 
and I'm going to do this for you. And the little soul says, are you sure? Because you are so bright and and so light. Why? How could you allow yourself to become so dense to come and do this horrible thing? And she says, I would do that because I love you. And the little soul says, uh, the little soul says, and I'll just read the most poignant part of it. It's just this one page, Jan. Um, uh, in okay, so the little soul wanted more, wanted wanted to 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 more than ever to to grant the friend's request, and says, "What can I do for you in return?" And the friendly soul says. In the moment that I strike you and smite you, the friendly soul replied, in the moment that I do the worst to you that you could possibly imagine, in that very moment, yes, the little soul interrupted, yes, the friendly soul became quieter still, remember who I really am. Oh, I will, cried the little soul. I promise I will always remember you as I see you right here, right now. Good, said the friendly soul, because, you see, I will have been pretending so hard. I will have forgotten myself. And if you do not remember me as I really am, I may not be able to remember for a very long time. And if I forget who I am, you may even forget who you are, and we will both be lost. Then we will need another soul to come along and remind us both of who we are. No, we won't, said the little soul. I will remember you, and I will thank you for bringing me this gift, the chance to experience myself as who I am. That's just, that's not the end of the book. That's just a piece that I have always remembered, that page. Remember who I am. And so wow, the amazing, people, yeah. Yes, yes. It's not a child's book, but it is It is beautiful well, to share a, with children. It's a great and, lesson for a lot of adults as well. I mean, it brings to mind, um, you know, our experience before we left the ranch in Austin because, in fact, Bill was joking about it and saying, when we get to the between-life review or the afterlife review, um, the the owner of the ranch who, was, who really went to extreme extremes of dark behaviour, we'll all be sat around and they'll say, how did I do then playing that asshole role? <laughs> and, you know, we it, it, it can be, well, it is very difficult to look beyond the, you know, the immediate behaviour of people to that lightness that is in everybody. And especially in these times, you know, we've got so much darkness going on and yet Absolutely. So much of that yes. is, is acting as a catalyst for incredible changes. Yes. yes, and you have to be able to look beyond that. And um, and I think it takes, and that's why awakening is so important. The awakening allows you to see the other as the soul, not as the form. To see that, it, um, to see the good. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sure we've all read cases of people who've been able to forgive um, extraordinarily painful um, instances and and I I don't mean just forget about them but I mean truly forgiving 
um, unconditionally forgiving um, terrible things and you can only do that if you are awakened to this and you don't have to know that you're awakened but a part of your soul knows that and they're able to do that it's not easy but once you look beyond the deed then it becomes easier um so that was about forgiveness and, and, and that is what's needed right now and, and people have forgiveness all wrong. They think that by forgiving they um, let the other person off the hook. They think that by forgiving they um, condone certain behaviours um, but that's not the case. Forgiving is releasing yourself, liberating yourself because you're the one who is suffering by holding on to it. And so every effort has to be made to reach the point where you're able to forgive those who hurt you. Absolutely, Kathy. And I, I'm stepping in there because Jan gave that yes, example. Yes, And, and uh, I, I, I just was going to step in there and say to the audience and you, what you just said is such an important key part because after Jen and I did the Festival of Enlightenment, um, we had a pretty good-sized bill to pay because it turned out wonderful and changed people's lives. But it also changed our life because we learned a lot from it. We got great joy out of bringing those people to that. But being our first event, we also had a six-figure uh, deficit to cover. And that was part of the reason we were running that ranch down in Austin was um, working on realigning a smiling world to be even bigger, better, and stronger in a sense, but also to address that <clears throat> debt. And, of course, when the owner's uh, wife, who had all the money, all the inheritance, um, presented herself and, and her husband and that opportunity to us, um, I could not understand how she could stay with a passive-aggressive person for 33 years. And, of course, that uh, over those three years came clear that that was part of her soul's path. But, as you said, the forgiveness thing, um, the last six weeks we were there, um, our manifestation is getting pretty fine-tuned now. And I told Jan a month before my birthday that I said, I want to be out of here by my birthday because the owner's husband had actually got directly involved in running the ranch. And with no judgment, just strictly following Webster's dictionary of uh, definitions, he his dark behavior, Jan was describing, was very sociopathic, very psychopathic and very passive-aggressive. And with him getting involved in running the ranch, um, I was, you know, having to deal with this on a daily basis. And one day I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm taking the week off. Uh, I'm just not going to be involved with that kind of behavior. I can make the choice to step away from it. And I said, just tell him I'm off ill, stress-related, unworkable conditions or what have you. And... The next day, I got a call from this guy, and he called me and said, uh, I understand you're ill. Well, I have some medical advice for you. You're fired. So <laughs> I actually responded. My actual response, Kathy, was I, I did call Jan, and I said, well, I manifested that well. I said I wanted to be out of here by my birthday. I just got fired for taking, for taking the first night off I'd ever had off in three years. But, but uh, anyway... My actual response was, thank you very much, John. I really appreciate that. And I did it very cheerfully. I said, wow, thank you very much, John. I really appreciate that. And I hung up the phone, 
And I had this overwhelming feeling, kind of like you just made all A's on your exams, you know, at the end of the semester or something. I was like, wow, I can't believe that I so cheerfully took that. And and actually, you know, really sincerely, I just at that moment, it was like, I forgive you for anything that happened because I had a very, very valuable learning experience seeing a microcosm of all the darkness in the world that we're trying to shine light on and all of these benefits I gained out of it. But I also had that really warm feeling of accepting that I truly knew that he was light at the core and was actually fulfilling a role, and when Jan said that about all of us sitting around the table, that was a joke. I mean, we had a big laugh about it, John sitting there at the board meeting and all the souls coming together and having the meeting and him saying, well, how did I do in that role of being an asshole? And, I, you know, I honestly could see right there in that phone call myself sitting there in the next generation of the soul and looking across the table and laughing and going, John, you did a brilliant job. I love you, man. I really appreciate what you taught me. And I think that is the core of uh, the feeling of forgiveness. And I just wanted to step that in for our listeners because I know personally that it is possible. And ever since I was a youngster, I was very much a rebel. And if somebody got in my face, I didn't mind standing toe-to-toe with them and arguing the point. <laughs> but I found that that's not what we're here for. We're here to reach in and get that inner light and recognize that the other people that are here doing what they do are part of that learning experience. So I love you, Kathy. That was a wonderful, Absolutely. wonderful. Thank um, you for sharing, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that, that up for our listeners. Back to you, Jan. So, Kathy, it was that uh, extract from The Little Soul was really lovely, and I shall certainly put it on my resource list for the people at the workshops and get a copy myself as well because um, that is such a profound message. Um, I also would like at some point to uh, delve a little more into the signs that we can pick up because I had quite an extraordinary experience on Sunday, actually, which um, I'll share a little later, and perhaps you can help to shed some light on the interpretation of it, because I think it was very symbolic, and I haven't quite got my head around what the message was. Uh, but I before shall try. We do that, before we do that... I shall um, try, though, though I, I refer all my dreams to a friend of mine to help me decipher those. <laughs> well, it always helps to have another perspective on things, but carry on with how you develop this wonderful gift that you have now in terms of connecting with these um, yes. ascended masters yes. and so on. Okay. So we're talking about awakening today um, and it's been quite a journey, quite a journey that's picked up momentum, um, extraordinary momentum in the last two years in particular. But before that, I'll go to a time when I was a child because this is one of an early awakening that I remember. Of course, I don't... I didn't know at the time that it was an awakening, but um, rather than tell the story, many years later when I realised that it was an awakening, I wrote a poem about it. So here it is. This poem is called Who Am I? And it was only written in 2013 after the other poem, which is Who Are You? 
because when I got who are you, I realized that a whole circle had come to a close. I realized that this one here at the age of around 12, 13 when I had this experience was the beginning of the question that was answered later in 2006 with Who Are You? So then I retrospectively wrote the poem from, of the earlier experience, if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> Just the relationship. Yes, I think so, Kathy. Yes, carry on. Okay, so who am I? As a child, I once went mad with a question in my head. Persistently, it asked of me, who am I? I tried with all my might to define this awkward state, for having no identity was grave to contemplate. I knew my name, date of birth, place of origin, my earthly worth, address, school, each sibling's name, but this was nothing of a game. In my sleep I tossed and turned, the riddle worming in my brain. Morning found me once again, tormented by this search. Nighttime saw me sit so still on the doorstep of my home, this self-assignment trying to fill, reflecting on a star-filled dome. For days and days it followed me, like a shadow one can't see, repeating my identity, alas, was not the key. Till at last I glimpsed upon a sense that I was more, and the madness ceased. So that happened. Uh, wow, that's fantastic, Kathy. That is so yes. beautiful. And honestly, it brought back so many memories of my own childhood. You know, I, the thing that sprang to mind was, uh, apart from the fact that I never felt I was, I, I was in the right place. <laughs> but I remember as a child thinking, I wonder what it feels like to be looking out of someone else's body. Yes. It was like the... the the person was not the body, and what would it be like to, to to be in somebody else's body and looking out of their eyes? Which I yes. guess is, is is recognizing, you know, there's something in there that is separate from the body, which yes. um, I think was part of that searching for, again, what am I here for? Why don't I feel like I fit in? <laughs> so yes, the poem right. says it all. Right. It, it's beautiful. Well, I remember this very vividly, this experience, because I literally did think I was going mad, and it happened for about a whole week, and I just couldn't find peace because I, I just, I felt my body felt different. It was all the energy, and it was questioning me doggedly. But you see, once I realised that last piece there, till at last I glimpsed upon a sense that I was more, and that says it all because you know if you transpose that to any other situation in life it's only when you look at it you open it and you have the realization and there's no more to be done because that dissolves it and that happened quite early um 
Now, the other signs, many other signs to awakening, um, you know, if if there's a question in your head, if there's a thought that's persistent, it's coming because it wants to, to knock on your door and say, take notice. So, you know, you know, how often do you hear people say, oh, it's just a thought, nothing, you know, and, and just dismiss things. Um, if it's persistent, it's not to be dismissed. If, you know, if you see certain recurring patterns in your life, they're there to be observed and taken notice of. Um, another experience I had, which is not an ordinary, not an ordinary one, but it certainly is an awakening one, um, was um, I was on a I was on a retreat, uh, a spiritual retreat one day. Well, one long weekend and one of these days we had a silent day where we couldn't speak to anybody so I was thank goodness I was uh, in daily practice with meditation and loved doing meditation because I occupied much of my time in that way and I was out in the garden one day sitting there doing a meditation I opened my eyes and I look at the garden and I notice one flower was an iris the plant was wildly shaking about and I thought this is interesting there's not a wisp of wind and I looked around at all the other plants and they were as still as anything and this one plant was shaking wildly and I thought what's going on <laughs> don't think I ever told anybody until um Later, which is only in the last couple of years, um, I um, I came to learn of a place um, called Damanhur. It's a spiritual community in Italy. Um, um, it's like Findhorn in Scotland, if you've heard of that. I'm yeah, sure yeah. Have mm -hmm. And Damanhur is similar. It's supposed to be the number one spiritual community in the world. And um, I did some research into this place because I wanted to go there, but I don't need to go there anymore. But um, what they do at Damanhur is, um, you know, they're very self-sufficient in every way and, and use the energy, especially the, the energy from nature. And they did some experiments, lots of scientists there as well, and um, they did experiments with plants. And they hooked up electrodes to the, the leaves of plants and found that uh, each plant has its own music. And they hooked it up to speakers, and um, I think you can actually uh, hear this if you go on the internet, um, and every plant has its own music. They recorded all of this, and apparently it's used in, um, uh, it's piped music in um, the botanical gardens in Florence. Um, but I thought... You know, that's what was happening. The iris, it was the iris that I experienced was the energy from that plant that was, A, getting my attention and uh, and also being uh, connecting with me. So that so was it extraordinary. Like, yeah, the iris was dancing to its own music, perhaps, <laughs> which yes, is probably yes. a good point. Um, normally at this time in the show, about halfway through, we stopped for a little musical break, so that led in quite nicely to that. So I'll just hand over to Bill, so we'll take a, a quick break. Uh, he'll let us know exactly how long it will be. 
depending on how long the piece of music is. He was a bit premature then, turning his mic on, and we got a bit of an echo. But So anyway, it'll probably be between four and five minutes, so time to have a quick breather, grab a drink or whatever, and okay, um, we'll be back on shortly. Yes, we'll do. Okay, then. Thanks, Jane. Okay, here we go. Um, I was just looking down through our music list of what we've got loaded, and because Kathy's in Australia and there's uh, a long, long distance call, I think we're going to do the shortest track I can find here, or very closer to shortest, and we're going to have a, about a four-minute break with Ann and Nancy Wilson just up the road in Seattle, Washington. We're in Portland, and they're up the road in Seattle. And Ann and Nancy Wilson are the leaders of the band, creators of the band Heart. And this song is called These Dreams, and it is off of the Heart album, which is called, um, bear with me one second, The Essential Heart. Jan just bought me that album. I have some of the Heart music. But anyway, Ann and Nancy Wilson of Heart off of the CD, which is highly recommended to purchase, uh, The Essential Heart. And here's These Dreams. Thank you. 
Okay, there you have it, Anne and Nancy Wilson's beautiful voices singing these dreams. And um, we won't go into the fact that I had the chance to meet him. I think most everybody's heard that story now, and I blew it because I didn't have the courage to get up and walk across the, the restaurant and say hello to him. But anyway, we won't go there right now. We've got uh, Kathy down in Australia having a great conversation with Jan, and um, so I'm going to hand it back over to Jan now, and y'all carry on because I'm learning lots of cool stuff. Yes, as I say, it's Bill and Jan Moore from A Smiling World, and we're delighted to have Kathy Yeager from Down Under in Sydney, Australia with us, having a lovely conversation all about awakening and energetic and spiritual healing. And we're going to be hearing lots more wonderful, interesting, and inspiring stuff from Kathy in the next hour. So before we go into your connection with these ascended masters and angels and archangels, which I'm dying to hear about, I'd like to share my Sunday experience with you um, and, and just get your input on, on what you feel the significance of this is. And we were talking about being alert to signs and messages. And I must say, I think we're pretty good at doing that. You know, we're, we're very alert to angel numbers, and particularly nature signs. You know, we, we have, and I, I particularly have a real connection with nature that I've had from um, as, as far back as I can remember and Beautiful. when I did my uh, I did a meditation to connect with a guard, my guardian angel and the answer I got was Archangel Ariel who I know is very much linked to nature and also the lion which is really the subject of what I wanted to um, share with you and the listeners um, when we were in in Yellowstone, um, coming across to Seattle to do the, the Seattle Roadshow, I became extremely aware of the presence of ravens, crows and ravens. And um, it was an extraordinary experience. We were at one of the wonderful waterfalls in the Yellowstone National Park. And a raven appeared and landed on... It was actually the roof of a motorhome next to where we were parked. And everywhere I went, this raven seemed to be following me around. And I went to take a photograph from quite a distance of this waterfall in the background. And the raven landed on the rock immediately in front of me, which I thought was literally only a couple of feet away. Um, and this, this continued to happen. The presence of... Crows. In fact, it goes back beyond that because when we were in the Denver area, we met up with a lovely lady who is actually this, it's similar surname to you, not the same spelling, but a lady called Aria Yeager. And we were introduced to her by another Facebook friend. And we met her in Colorado Springs and had a lovely lunch. And we, we went outside after lunch and we actually did a meditation. And as soon as we started the meditation, a crow landed in the tree right above us and made its presence extremely loudly felt all the way through and again seemed to follow us around. So there's been this connection with the raven and the crow energy for several months now. And we were in a bookstore. Um, let me just re uh, tell you a little bit more of the story as well because this also involves... Uh, the lion energy and as you're extremely aware 
you know, we've had this um, real outcry over the killing of Cecil the lion and the whole outcry over trophy hunting. And, and yes, I felt and hasn't that, that brought the world together? Absolutely, absolutely. And I felt it was really, really significant, far beyond just the physical, in terms of the, the period that we're in, which is the lion's gate and all the lion uh, symbolism that is present at the moment. And I've actually had a couple of meditations, and, and the first one was actually with Arya, where I was actually seeing what was like a humanoid with a lion's face, and that happened a couple of times. Well, we went into Portland on Sunday and went into one of the metaphysical bookstores there because we're we're still trying to work out the venue for our next event. And I was looking at the um, animal symbolism section and opened one of the Ted Andrews books straight to the page about the crow. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, this is bizarre, you know. So, I mean, I've, I've kept in touch with the symbolism of the, you know, the raising of magic and the connection between the physical and the spiritual world. And then I picked up another book, and I opened that, and I immediately opened it at a page talking about the lion and the unicorn. Oh. And a week or so before, I've, during this whole thing with the, the Cecil uproar, I'd had an, uh, an idea that I had to look up the lion and the unicorn. And yes. Well, because I, I also believe that the unicorn is one of my spirit guides, one of my power animals, along with the horse. Yes. So I looked it up, and it was really just about the, the heraldry of the British crown with the lion and the unicorn on the coat of arms. So it didn't really give me any great insight. But when I opened this book in the bookstore, I've never seen in that kind of book a literally the lion and the unicorn appearing together. Usually it's the symbolism of the lion and the symbolism of the unicorn on different pages. So it really, it was like, whoa, you know, these two books in a row to 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 open at such significant pages. And when I was telling the story of this to my friend in in the UK, who I speak to every week, it seemed to me that, that... um, the symbolism of the lion and the unicorn was, was nothing to do with the heraldry. It seemed to be more about the, the strength and the power of bringing the physical and the metaphysical together. Because, uh, of course, ah. the unicorn is that magical, metaphysical, um, legendary, mythical creature. And, of course, the lion signifies the absolute grounded strength of the physical. So... Would you would you kind of echo that? Do you see any particular well, insights in that? Well, you just took the words right out of my mouth because that's <laughs> exactly what I was getting. I was getting right. the lion and the uniform together. Lion is the strength and the courage, mm. um, and the unicorn is the metaphysical. And you need to use both in what you're doing. You need to connect with both energies and make your decision based on those two energies coming together. And I've got the sense that there is 
a situation coming up for you where you're going to be needing that. It's like mm-hmm. there is um, there, there's a point coming where you will need to make a certain decision and you can only make it through the courage of the lion and the the inner knowing, the metaphysical, intuitive um, uh, understanding of the whole situation. And that's what you're going to have to draw on, those two. Mm. Interesting. And, um, and you're very good to recognise that the crow is one of your... Um, one of your um, totem animals, your guidance, um, and any time that they appear, ask yourself, what am I required to look at? What am I being asked to see here? Um, because I remember well at the time when you were on the ranch and that's when I came in and you were seeing the crows on the fence. I still have that yeah, vision that was, in my... <laughs> yeah, that was actually the buzzard. That was a very, very powerful... Uh, I mean, it really shook me to the core, actually, when I saw them because I'd kind of associated them with with death. And knowing that the the situation that was building on the ranch, I even said to Bill, you be careful because there was so much malevolent energy being directed at Bill at the time. You know, I was really concerned that this was a, a premonition of death, but actually, um, you know... Bill had an experience with those birds that signified very clearly that, uh, well, I'll let him say for himself, he's just uh, wanting to interject here, so I'll hand over to him. Yeah, I just did interject. I've told this story before, so I'll kind of cut it short, but uh, basically Jan saw some uh, vultures, buzzards, sitting outside of the barn and was really concerned about him, as she said, on this, what I called the ranch of death. I drove by in a Polaris, and one of them, when they flew up, one started circling the cab as I was driving up a, about an eighth of a mile distance up to the house. And as I turned the corner, it followed me around the corner and just kept circling the cab. And I have to say, it, it sort of took me back a little bit because, of course, until I looked it up, I had associated it with death as well. But Long story short, I got to the gate, the front gate, where you come into the ranch, and the thing circled around one final circle just before I got to the gate and swooped straight down in front of me and flew just above the driveway right out of the gate. And what I, when I looked up and saw what it was, I, I became very, very clear that that uh, buzzard was telling me that it is time to leave the ranch of death, as I called it. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that was that one. Yeah, yeah. They are pretty menacing looking, those birds, and, and most people would think it's a warning of some sort, it's an omen, um, but they are highly spiritual and um, they're associated with magic, not as, not as in voodoo magic or anything like that, but the the higher magic which contains the the guidance that one is needing in life. So pay special attention to the times when they're around you. Absolutely, Kathy. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, it really is, I find it a really magical experience just to see all these different signs that come along. It's a whole different world from that mundane, it's only physical world. I would hate to go back there again because it would be just so boring. That's absolutely right. I, um, I 
do a walk around where I live and uh, we're on a peninsula and we have the, the sea, the water, the harbour actually and um, and the bush and they come together and there's a beautiful track that I do there and you know I've learned to not just walk through the track for physical exercise, what I do now is I stand at its entrance and ask permission to enter from the... Um, you know, we are not the traditional owners of this land, the Aboriginals are. So any time we go into bushland, we ought to ask permission from the um, the spirits of the Indigenous, uh, the spirits of the land as associated with the Indigenous traditional owners of the land. And uh, I do that. And then I use that walk as a contemplation. And I do that by connecting to all the natural elements um, the trees speak to me and I just hope that people don't go past and do the track at the same time as I'm there and it's happened a few times because <laughs> I look like an absolute nutter hugging trees <laughs> but the trees speak to me the plants speak to me and there is a, a bit of a, a rock formation like a you know a, a shallow sort of a cave it only goes about three or four feet deep and sandstone and when I come to there I stop and there's always a message in there there is an energy there is a being and it gives me the message that I need at that time and I come home and look up the symbology of it and it's always spot on always and you know and then I look up and I see a tree trunk that's fallen in a position where and it's not me standing there trying to analyze what it is I just look at it and I see the thing and I saw a Komodo dragon that day just by a glancing at this tree and there was the message so it's the connection to all um, to all live energy and the natural world is alive with energy um, and that's what brings us deeper into knowing ourselves into knowing who we are and that is part of the awakening because the awakening is the realization that you are more the realization that you are not your body your body is the tool the vehicle by through which the spirit operates the spirit comes here with a certain purpose it can't it can't fulfill that purpose you know in a spirit form in a formless state it requires a body to do that and it requires certain conditions and and circumstances set up especially to fulfill that purpose so the realization that there is um, as Eckhart Tolle calls it um, I think you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle yes absolutely it's very pivotal for me yeah beautiful spiritual master he he He's able to articulate so um, with great clarity some of the uh, you know the trickiest sort of understandings in this whole area of spirituality, and always comes back to the point of truth. Um, and as he says, we have the two eyes. We have the eye that is the eye we think we are. That is the one that is conditioned and then there is the I that is who we truly are and it's a bit ironic that we come into this world being the 
the, the I that we truly are. We are pure spirit when we come in and we spend our whole life searching for the I. Uh, we, we, sorry, I'll go back. We come in being pure spirit, the, the one that we truly are. Then the veil drops down and we forget where we've come from and we forget our true identity and it's covered with layers and layers of all the conditioning and all the other stuff that takes place through life and we spend our life trying to find the I that we truly are. Yes, so, and, um, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Kathy, finish what you were no, saying. No, 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 you haven't. No, no, you're fine. I was just going to say, um, you know, did your level of awareness, is that something that you've just consciously developed or did it kind of come to you in that, you know, flash of of, of uh, insight or whatever? Because you've obviously connected very strongly with these um, higher beings and yeah. with a particular spirit guide. Can you tell us how that came to happen? Hmm. It's a bit, mm, well, I've been following a spiritual life. In fact, um, spirituality is the backbone of my life. Without it, my life would be meaningless. I would have walked a lonely road. And, you know, I'm at the opposite place now. I sit in a very comfortable place now where I know and in fact, know is a key word because I've always said I know, but I never knew why I know. <laughs> and now I do know why I know because we all know if we are able to tap into who we truly are, that's where the knowledge is. That That is, it's in our cellular memory of all past lives. We come here filled to the brim with knowledge from past, from all of our experiences. So that's where the I know comes from. And um, and I say I know, but I don't know why I say it, but it's because at a deeper level I do know. And right now, I was having a conversation with a friend only last night, and I said, things have moved so fast that I'm at a place now where I feel limitless. I feel that I can connect to all the wisdom and the knowledge that's appropriate for me right now to know and that's appropriate to bring to others. I feel that I've activated it all and I can so easily connect with it without any pomp and ceremony. I can just connect with it. I connect with the source. But it hasn't always been like that. Um, and I believe... Um, that I'm living my life's purpose in doing what I'm doing right now with the healing work. The healing work is quite extraordinary um, and the intuition is quite extraordinary and my connection to spirit um, is extraordinary. But it hasn't always been like this. But it's like this because I have nurtured it. You have to work on it um, and you take nothing for granted. I don't take it for granted. It could all go tomorrow, and that's okay. I'm blessed, and I'm grateful for it in this very moment. Um, and when you say nurture it and, and work on it, 
how did you how do you actually do that? Is this through meditation, through that heightened awareness, through yes. um yes. moving into the heart rather than the head? Yes, you have to um you have to connect with the other eye, the eye that you truly are, and you do that through meditation. Meditation is you know, an invaluable investment in yourself. Forget the cars and the the holidays. Meditation brings you closest to happiness and joy because there is no um because there is an alignment of you with the universe and that's to be found and nurtured through meditation. And all your answers are there. So I I did a course in, um, uh, I've got a diploma in energy and spiritual healing, so I've done, um, I've done the theory and, and, you know, I was introduced to the actual workings of energy um, and understanding it through a lot of reading um, and, you know, listening to interviews as I was intuited to do. I follow my intuition very closely. And then later... Um, See, I, I'll tell you this, I had Jesus, for instance, trying to, was knocking at my door for a very long time. And I was turning my back because I'm not a religious person. And every time Jesus came, you know, uh, you know, came to me wanting me to notice his presence, I would turn away. I thought, I am a spiritual, I'm not a religion. I was religion, I was religious, I was raised as a Catholic, but no more. I'm not the same person. I'm choosing, this is my choice. I had no choice before, but now I have. So I kept shutting the door. <laughs> and then one day, I was in a shopping centre waiting for my photos to be processed in the days when you put your film in. Mm-hmm. And a woman, a random woman, came out of the blue and um, introduced herself and and started making some, you know, friendly talk while we're waiting. And then she said, I have something for you. And she hands me a picture of Jesus. And it was a large photo that um, allegedly was taken of a, a sighting somewhere, I can't remember now. And he appeared on the wall and it was the only photo of that apparition. And she said, this is for you. I sort of, you know, I said, yeah, okay, thanks very much. <laughs> and she said, you'll find the frame for that in a certain shop and it's this much. And she told me exactly where to go. And I thought, this is weird. But anyway, I took the, the, the Jesus image and um, I brought it home. And I thought, well, I have to get through the resistance here, whatever it is. I'll just put it in the room. Another time, um, b- before that, I was into antiques and I went to an, an antique auction and uh, you have the viewing period beforehand so I went around the room viewing what I wanted and then everyone sits down with their number. I sat down with my number and the auctioneer at the front is going through the items and he comes to this box and um, you know he starts the bids on this box and I hadn't seen this box when I was doing the viewings but I was compelled to put my hand up and bid on this box. It was a large box, like a trunk, beautiful timbers. But I couldn't see. From the, I was at the back of the room. I couldn't even see what it was. 
I couldn't see if it opened or if it was purely ornamental. I had no knowledge of this box, but I knew I had to put my hand up. Eventually, <laughs> I, I was the highest bidder and I got the box and I still didn't know what I'd bought. Well, <laughs> when I saw it, I couldn't believe it. It was a box, and I still have it here in my living room. It's a box that comes from, um, I believe, a monastery or someplace like that. Its, um, it's proper name is a coffer, and it's, the front of the box has um, is a parquetry or marquetry. I never can distinguish between those two um, um, art, um, art processes. Um, but it's made up, the images are made up of fruit woods and the images are of Jesus. Jesus mm. healing. Jesus wow. healing through his hands. Those panels are Jesus healing. And I thought, this is really interesting. And I still didn't get it. I put it in my room because it's beautiful and I like the timbers and I like the... I uh, appreciate the the, um, the the antique nature of it, but I still wasn't drawn because something inside me was still resisting. But years later, Jesus came to me as my guide, and today I work with him very, very closely. It is a non-religious relationship because religion is a, is a construct. It is purely... Um, a, a, a guide, an ascended master who's part of my team who brings the light and that's what Jesus did. He brought the light to the world. Love. He is the Christ. So I've gone, there's absolutely no resistance today. But all the all the, the, the calls were there, the guidance was there all along but I had to overcome something within myself and I'm at a place now where religion doesn't matter. And I can go into any temple or, you know, any worship place. It doesn't matter what it is and connect immediately with the the higher energy um, and, you know, drop all the other aspects of it being a certain religion with certain rituals and just connect with the source itself. So that's been a journey in itself for me. Yes, and I must admit we have we have so many parallels, Kathy. It's quite uncanny, really, because you know <laughs> I was brought up in the Church of England and and just did not resonate with it one iota, and um, you know didn't get into uh, the significance of Jesus's teachings even because I just had this real resistance to the the manner in which it was delivered. I think is is uh, the only way of describing it. And I was, I had one of these encounters where I was being told to read A Course in Miracles. And I had some real resistance to this because it was based around Jesus. And I was still carrying this, you know, I don't go with this organized religion kind of thing. And when I read A Course in Miracles, it really shifted my whole um, attitude towards Jesus. I mean, I've never resisted his teaching. I think it was more the context of the fame which it was delivered in organized religion. And I realized how how much symbolism there is in the... um, It's like an allegory, really, of of Jesus' life and and what it represents. 
that relates to how we create our life and that we, you know, if we choose to, we actually crucify ourselves every day because we allow that egoic side of us to to keep us in fear and, and all the other, and anger and all those other negative states, whereas our resurrection is actually to shift into that uh, true I who is, completely in the in the light and the love so it was a real it, education it, for me it is um, it's, an, it's an undoing of what um uh, of all the learning that's preceded this point um but um having said that it was a necessary part of the process yeah <clears throat> i i I'm going to step back in here, Kathy, because that, that's really fascinating. And, and what you and Jan are talking about is something I've mentioned a time or two on the show, is that um, what is really the irony is the powers that be and the powers that be extend into organized religion, use um, organized religion as a separatism thing. And what what if the world came to realize that whether they're Muslim, Buddhist, Christian, it doesn't matter what they are, if they all uh, stepped back and said, Jesus' last name was not Christ, he was deemed to be Christ because of his Christ consciousness. And if all of the religions, if the people would wake up to the fact that Buddhism is going to Christ consciousness level as their goal, Muslims go to Christ consciousness as their goal. And, and in that perfect world that they are talking about as individuals, it is going towards a Christ consciousness, not going out of their religion to specifically Jesus because his last name's Christ. It's a Christ consciousness, and that's what he was teaching. And uh, these these humans in the in the third dimensional world all try to get us to go oh well if you're not a Methodist then you know you're not on the right path or if you're not Church of Christ or Church of England or Catholic or whatever else and and I just I, I try to get that across to people and it's, it's about moving to a Christ consciousness and if you want to go practice a religion that's fine but you got to realize it's all all of it is moving towards one thing and it's not about control it's about Christ consciousness. <laughs> yes, yes. There's nothing wrong with religion; it's the teachings of it. Um, and but if if you know who you are, if you know. You can sit anywhere and connect to that consciousness. You don't have to be in a church. You can be under a tree, make your own church anywhere. Um, and that's, you know, part of an evolutionary process. Um, but that's a whole different topic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, let's see where we go there. <laughs> so, um, so, Kathy, you were saying it right at the beginning yes. of the show that... Um, that you're, you have the message that this is going to be a healing experience for anyone who, yes. who tuned in. Is there anything yes. specific that you feel inclined to share um, on on a on that level, or is this something that just being present is going to be um, yes, yes. delivered? People don't people don't need to do anything. Um, as I sit here, I ha- I am in the presence of the the spiritual masters and the team that I work with, that I so gratefully work with. And when I 
um, connected with this with them this morning and asked them to be here. They said that they anybody who listens to this broadcast will receive some healing. So it doesn't matter if it's you know not live or after through the archives they will receive healing because some of what we are saying will resonate with them at some level. And it, it may be physical, it may be emotional, it may be a mental letting go of something. So I'll be very interested to, to know after if people, from anyone who has this experience, um, if they could let you know because... This is a new level that I'm working with. I've never done a radio broadcast before, let alone um, connect and, and, and take the healing to, to masses. Um, but this is the message I was given. So I, um, I would say to people, as you listen to this message, just be aware of what resonates with you because this is part of the awakening too is awareness, um, is being alert to how we respond to things. Um, there's a message in that. Now the team, the team that I work with, back to your original question, in 2013, in October 2013, I had my guide Muriel come into my life. Um, very unexpected was nothing uh, nothing much was happening except that at the time I had a friend stay with me because there were fires in our blue mountains here um, which are about uh, um, uh, two hours oh gee I've got a mental block I think it's two hours from Sydney that's right two hours from Sydney um, but you know it was a raging fire and it came right down to the lower mountains and you know with the potential of blocking the road the only road that goes there and uh, so you know following the guidance uh, my friend came to stay with me for a few days during that um, um, period and while she was here we were doing some healing and one night um, I went to bed and I I knew that there was a presence of a being and um, and he appeared and or he, she, because there was no gender, um, introduced him herself as Muriel. And uh, I have had... Muriel works with me in bringing knowledge and wisdom. I sit and channel Muriel's teachings um, as often as I can. I'd like to be able to do it daily, but um, that hasn't been possible. Uh, but I have archived pages and pages and pages of his teachings to date. Um, and he takes my questions and is able to offer me guidance on whatever it is. So that was the beginning of that. Um, then in last year... Uh, uh, last March, March 2014, I came down with a terrible cough um, and, you know, things come and go, but not this cough. This cough has lasted or had lasted 15 months and I'm only just now clear of it. And 
doesn't matter what I did, I couldn't shake it off. And the whole family was getting very concerned for me because it was a dreadful cough. It was like something was ter- is terribly wrong with mum here and um, she doesn't want to go and get help. But I knew that, I, you know, there was nothing anyone could do for it. I had to see this process through. But anyway, to appease the family, I went and saw ear, nose, throat specialists, two of them, came home knowing that they didn't know what they were doing or they were not able to be they were not able to help me in this instance. Um, went to doctors, took medicines. The cough persisted. Um, salt washes everything, um, and it's only just gone. But it's been a process of clearing. So I knew it was a spiritual journey that that cough presented for me. That's really interesting, actually, Kathy, because uh, one of our close friends, in fact, one of the few people that have stuck with us through the whole of the festival and has, has, you know, been close ever since, she's been through a period of having throat problems where it really affects her voice. It's not so much a cough as a, uh, well, I don't know how to describe it, but it really affects her voice. And it made me wonder whether she's going through a similar process, perhaps. Yes, possibly. And if she brings the awareness that that's what's happening to it, it will be easier for her. I mean, I thought this cough was never going to end. Fifteen months and no sign of it ending. And I did many orthodox and unorthodox things. But it had its own timing. Um and I believe it cleared all the stuff that needed to be cleared from all the layers from all of my lives. There was a break of about two weeks in between after I did a certain procedure, and I thought, this is it. But I think that was took me to a certain point in um, time space um, where that was where nothing needed to be cleared and then it started again for the ne- to continue for the next part of it and brought me up to date. Um, I really thought there was something terribly wrong but and it was useful going to the ear, nose, throat specialists because they were able to have a look and tell me, no, there's nothing visible here, there are no growths, there's nothing um, nasty. So that settled everybody but still it was affecting, all the, it was affecting my life. I, I had no energy, I couldn't think about what I was doing tomorrow um, all through the night and all through the day I had to sleep with propped up window, uh, propped up pillows um, half half sitting half lying in bed um, at the worst times so it just took over um, but that was part of the clearing and then during this whole process in September last year on the 19th of September I had another experience, one of these unexplained things um, where one day I I forgot where I was. I got amnesia and um, that was very, very scary. Um, I knew I was home but I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing and I didn't, I, uh, anyway, too strange to try and put into words. Um, but some of the things I said got people around me worried and they took me up to the hospital and I was there for three days and um, it was diagnosed as temporal global amnesia. So thankfully it was temporal, so it did come back. Um, 
slowly came back and um but you know was I losing my mind? No. What was actually happening during that period was um my energies were being uploaded. That is, um it was part of I'll throw in another word there, part of the ascension energies that are happening right now. All over the world, we are changing. We are ascending within our being, and that was part of that experience was ascension. So, um, and I don't know at what point the other the other um, team came in. The team that I'm working with currently, the the ascended masters, and um, so apart from Muriel, who's part of the team. Um, Lord Jesus, Mother Mary, and the there's about six ascended masters who come in and work with me closely, and um, that's the type of healing I'm doing now. But you know, this has been a progression. All of those things I've mentioned have led me to the point where I am now, where I feel that I feel limitless. I feel like anything and everything is accessible for instance sorry go on no carry on for instance with the healings that I do I don't know if you want me to get into this right now yes I I do actually I I, I was going to ask you to share how this this actually helps people how you actually work with people so please go ahead okay so in the past um I would work with people, um, you know, energy healing, hands-on healing. That was after the Reiki, do a Reiki treatment. Um, From there, I also studied forensic healing. So that was a different system of healing whereby um, you tap into the person's um, intelligence at the cellular level and get all the answers from there. And you're able to go back and identify um, what it is that is blocking that person's um, state of being at whatever level, physical, mental, emotional, causal levels. And, you know, you come to a point in their life or pre-life where that pattern was set up, that blockage took root and you then remove it. You do a correction and remove it. That was forensic healing. So that's what I was doing at that time. And then when the team came in, um, what I do now is I can connect with people um, remotely. They don't have to physically be here with me. And, you know, people think that unless they're here, it's, you know, it's a watered-down version, but the remote healing is as powerful as if the person was right here in front of me. I can connect with them. And the beauty with this is that, and this is the liberation in the whole thing, um, as I mentioned in my brief, but this is not the scope to go into that. Today's broadcast, you know, I'm not going to cover any of that, but there was a time when I was seeking um, answers for healing because I've had, um, I've, I've experienced in my in a family circle, um, much suffering due to health issues. 
and so I've always known that there is there is another way to heal not just the medical way and this by the way I'll say up front is no way undermining what the medics do on a daily basis to save lives I've got great respect for that however there is another level that we can heal the body the mind and the spirit as a whole entity and this is where what I'm doing comes in through this distant healing or you know one-on-one present healing I hand over the the being to the um, to the team and I ask for the healing to be for that person's highest good so what happens is I invite Archangel Uriel to come forward and scan so the Archangel does a scan of where the blockages are what that person needs to be realigned and rebalanced and let you know and I note all that and then the team comes in so I am a mediator I talk to them they talk to me I talk to my client I communicate with all the soul levels involved and then they go ahead and do the healing according to the scan that was pre-done and set everything back into alignment and let me tell you that no healing is the same and I never know what's going to present itself it is just I am in awe of it Um, I did one this week my first one was my first ascension ascension healing so this person came in they said to me this is an ascension healing this will is to raise her vibrations um, to another level and clear all the all the lower energies and put her higher towards a vibrational level of, um, of you know the ascension that's happening in the world we are moving from the third dimension to the fourth and fifth dimensions so the earth is moving along those lines and we too have to move our stuff so that we uh, activating more of our light body and rising our vibration and that's what happened with this particular person um, they actually said to me she was being given a crystalline um, structure and, uh, and that's part of the ascension so that was quite beautiful um, I had another person recently who I saw two um, I saw a soul part of hers come in and meld with her she was here on the table and meld into her body and that was a soul fragment that was being retrieved and brought back because our soul um, can break off or and go and have different experiences and this was bringing it all back together and um, and it was very much confirming what I picked up with this person uh, six months prior in another healing where I saw that she had two solar plexus um, uh, chakras and um, and I thought that was very unusual I had never seen that before and then when this happened where this soul fragment came back into her 
body, her being, uh, it was all happening through the solar plexus. So there it was. The second solar plexus was for the part that was out there and it was brought back home. Um, so amazing things are happening through this. And the most amazing... not. The one thing that I'm most grateful for right now is that I can offer this healing to people um, by connecting and getting permission from A, my guides and my healing team and B, from their higher self. I'm very careful to follow the universal laws and I would never infringe into an area where I'm not supposed to go never impose my own will and I'm very careful to make sure I get the permission but years ago when I was looking for a system to help somebody else who was not in a position to give to 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 you know physically give consent um, you know no system existed I couldn't get anybody who could help and I knew that I had to search for the way. And this is the way. I can help. I had a woman ring me only yesterday saying, I heard about a healing you did for somebody and they were blown over because you didn't know this child, yet you pointed out all the things that this child um, is experiencing, that she need, the health issues that she was having. I had no idea. I haven't even met the child. And so I gave them a, a list of the scan that came up for that child and they were blown over. And, um, and so this person was referred to me through that other lady and she came to me and said, I would like to get some healing for my husband, but he doesn't believe in this stuff. What am I to do? And I said, I may be able to help you but I won't know until I get permission from both sides. So, you know, there are times when people are not in a position to, to give permission. There's too much fear in their whole being. And this system, this practice now unlocks that fear and takes them back to their core essential self the one that resonates, I communicate with their higher self. That is, not the physical self, their higher self. The one that wants only um, to bring them back to their soul level, to their, their purpose, wants to see them healed, and they're the ones I'll get permission from. And I'm able to offer this now. And well, that's wonderful. I feel so blessed and so grateful. Yes, it sounds like an absolutely beautiful process. In fact, I'd love to talk to you more about this. But we are getting yes. towards the end of the show. And uh, I'll even say I'd like to talk to you about this offline as well. And some thoughts I have about um, perhaps, you know, getting your work out into the world. But before we wind up our um, our program today, how can people get in touch with you to to actually, you know, get this kind of healing that you're you're offering and uh, really get this amazing experience for themselves. Yes. Well, they can contact me through my email, um, which I can give to you. 
Um, yes, it's Carnelian, C-A-R-N-E-L-I-A-N, and the number four, at hotmail.com. Excellent. And um, do you, I know you're on Facebook, is it something that people should connect with you on Facebook or is email really the way to do it? Um, Email, I'm also on um, a site called Natural Therapy Pages. So if they put my name in Natural Therapy Pages, they can either put Kathy Jager or they can put Liberty Healing. Um, There's a little bit about me there but I haven't updated it to the point of the way that I'm working now. Um, that's quite old, but it, nevertheless, I'm there. There's a bit about me. And then there is another site called um, Natural Gurus, which we've just launched in Australia, and they can search for me on there. And There's a little bit more about what I do. Okay, so that's naturalgurus.com, I presume, is it, or...? dot uh, com dot au, I think it is. Okay, but if they search, if they Google natural gurus, they should be able to find the the website. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and do you want to repeat the the other site as well, just so that people yes. can make a note of it? Yes. Oh, for me to repeat. Yes, it's um. Uh, so there's carnelian. Um, Carnelian4 at hotmail.com, that's the email address, and there is the natural therapy pages. And they can Google Kathy Jager or Liberty Healing on that. Okay, that's great. So um, what we can do, Kathy, is actually add that to the show notes so that uh, if people come on and, and listen to the recording of this interview, yes. they'll be able to see the links in there and that will obviously make, make it easier for people. So perhaps you could pop that into an email to us just so that we've got the right information and we'll add that on yes. for future reference. That's great. I will gratefully well, do that, Jane. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. It's been an absolute joy, as I knew it would be, to have you on the show today. And uh, I'm sure that anybody who listens to this will really get that healing that um, your team have said is accessible just by listening. And I'm also very grateful that it seems that just the right person comes along to add uh, another layer of experience for us as well in expanding our knowledge and increasing our vibrations and so on. So I really want to thank you again for taking the time out, especially so early in the morning over there, to be with us on the show. So thank you, Cathy. That's okay. Um, Yes, and as you know, I had nothing to do with this. The universe prearranged all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to both of you for the opportunity. Thank you, Jan and Bill. You're very welcome. So we'll, we'll talk very soon. So thanks to all our listeners live and uh, to the archives as well for being with us today. We'd just like to share before we finish how you can get hold of us through asmilingworld.org and through our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash powerful people. And you can find us on Twitter at A Smiling World. And we also have an A Smiling World Conscious Community Group on Facebook as well. And um, contact us through the website. We've got lots of great information. And, of course, we are 
going to be visiting the whole of the United States at some time or another with the A Smiling World Roadshow. And if you go to the asmilingworld.org forward slash events page, you'll see all the upcoming tour dates that we've got. And we'll be adding to those as we plan out our tour. And, of course, look out for the online version. So sign up for our newsletter and we'll let you know when that's available. And we will be giving some preferential exclusive offers to our mailing list when that online course is released. So uh, it's been lovely to have you with us. I'm going to hand back to Bill now and say goodbye for now, and we hope to see you next week. Well, thank you, Jan, and thank you, Kathy. And now we're going to say uh, adios until next week, and that is going to be with a beautiful track from the Moody Blues called Never Blame the Rainbow for the Rains. Never